1: This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that examines notable events that happened years ago, today. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're looking at the rocky history behind one of the great architectural works of the 20th century, the much-delayed and surprisingly controversial Sydney Opera House. The day was October 20th, 1973. The iconic Sydney Opera House was dedicated by Queen Elizabeth II. Half a million people watched the opening ceremony from watercraft in the harbor and from parks along the shoreline. Many millions more watched on TV at home, eager to catch their first glimpse of a new national landmark that had cost $80 million and taken nearly 15 years to complete. The Opera House's defining features, its curving, expressionist design, and nesting, sail-like spires, had proven trickier to build than anticipated. Construction had also been delayed by a bevy of creative disputes, political controversies, and an ever-ballooning budget. Some had worried that with all those setbacks, the venue might never be finished. But finally, after 14 years, 7 months, and 18 days, the Sydney Opera House was finally ready for its big debut. Today, it's one of the most beloved and recognizable buildings in the world. Well over 8 million visitors come to marvel at it each year, and roughly 2 million of them head inside to see one of the 3,000 or so live shows performed there annually. Initial planning for the Sydney Opera House began in the 1950s, when English conductor and composer Eugene Goossens secured the support of Joseph Cahill, government premier of New South Wales, the Australian state that contains Sydney. Goosens had complained for years that the Sydney Town Hall was too small to host full-scale productions and that a new concert venue should be built to replace it. Cahill backed the idea, and in 1956, he organized an international design competition to choose an architect. The goal was to design a multi-purpose venue with one hall big enough for 3,000 people and another smaller hall for 1,200 people. It was to be an opera, ballet, and lecture house all in one. More than 230 designs were considered, but in the end it was Danish architect Jörn Utzen and his white, eggshell-shaped roof that won the day. With the design settled on, Bennelong Point was chosen as the site of the Sydney Opera House, and construction began in March of 1959. The first unofficial performance at the venue took place a year later, when American singer and civil rights activist Paul Robeson scaled the scaffolding and sang Old Man River to the construction workers below. It was an upbeat start for the project, but tensions were already growing within the team, and trouble was just around the corner. Part of the issue was that Utzon's drawings were quite simplistic and therefore hard to realize in physical form. For example, the building's roof featured those now-famous shells, which were made using precast concrete panels overlaid with ceramic tile. Unfortunately, since Utsun hadn't specified the exact shape of the shells in his design, the casting process stalled considerably. Utsun was reportedly a bad communicator, too. He was reluctant to ask for help even when he needed it, and was prone to taking sudden extended vacations without notice. However, Utsun wasn't the only one slowing things down. Minister for Public Works Davis Hughes was highly critical of the project. He scrutinized every detail, decision, deadline, and cost, and eventually wrote off Utzon as a, quote, impractical dreamer. By 1966, their relationship had soured to the point that Hughes stopped approving Ootson's paychecks. The architect quietly resigned not long after, leaving both the project and Australia itself in February of that year. After Utzon's unceremonious departure, Hughes and a government architect brought in a new team to finish building the opera house. By that point, the project was massively over budget, and additional funds had to be raised through a series of opera house auctions and lotteries. Finally, in 1973, the Sydney Opera House was ready to be formally open to the public, 10 years overdue and an estimated 1,457% over budget. The festivities kicked off at just after 2.30pm on October 20th, a warm but blustery spring day in the Southern Hemisphere. The event's first guest was aboriginal actor Ben Blakeney, who took to the roof of the Sydney Opera House to give a brief performance. In what he later called, the most important two-minute part of my life, Blakeney gave an in-character speech as Ben-Along an aboriginal man who had been captured by British settlers in the late 1700s. The land where the opera house was built, Benelong Point, was later named for him. I hope my people will realize the importance of this building, Blakeney said. White people may have built it, but the spirit of the aboriginal still lives on the point. After Blakeney gave his speech about the structure's ties to the past, it was time for the Queen of Australia to speak about its present and its future. She addressed the project's turmoil head-on, saying, quote, The Sydney Opera House has captured the imagination of the world, though I understand that its construction has not been totally without problems. The human spirit must sometimes take wings, or sails, and create something that is not just utilitarian or commonplace. But every great imaginative venture has had to be tempered by the fire of controversy. Controversy of the most extreme kind attended the building of the pyramids, yet they stand today, 4,000 years later, acknowledged as one of the wonders of the world. So, I hope, and believe it will be, with the Sydney Opera House. The Queen's optimistic message was well received by the crowd, and the party on Benelong Point continued all the way until midnight. The construction of the Opera House had been a long and fraught process, but now that it was finally over people were ready to celebrate the achievement of Utzon's grand design sadly Jørn Utzon was not invited to the opening ceremony and his name wasn't even mentioned In the late 1990s the Sydney Opera House Trust tried to reconcile with the architect by hiring him to produce a set of design principles to guide future work on the building Then in 2004 the Opera House renovated its reception hall and renamed it the Utzon Room in his honor. Other organizations began to honor Utzon as well. He was awarded an honorary doctorate by the University of Sydney, gifted the keys to the city, and even received the prestigious Pritzker Architecture Prize, a top honor in his field. Those accolades were well-intentioned and well-deserved, but they arrived much too late in Utzon's life to fully mitigate the earlier harm. The architect chose not to return to Australia, and died in 2008, having never seen his greatest work in person. The conception, design, and construction of the Sydney Opera House had been a bold and ambitious venture for the still young nation of Australia, and while the project had encountered numerous frustrating setbacks, the resulting structure was every bit as breathtaking as Utzon's initial designs had promised. The scope of his achievement was outlined in the Pritzker Prize citation he received in 2003. It said, quote, There is no doubt that the Sydney Opera House is his masterpiece. It is one of the great iconic buildings of the 20th century, an image of great beauty that has become known throughout the world, a symbol for not only a city, but a whole country and continent. Not a bad legacy for a so-called impractical dreamer. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider keeping up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your feedback directly to me by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.